So if you'd open your Bibles along with me, we are in Numbers chapter 25. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 25. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name because there truly is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And Father, we are, are so fearful of those who die without knowing you, realizing that their life is wasted because all it takes is a simple confession and they would have the signed, seal, and deposit of your Holy Spirit belonging to you in the assurance of heaven. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would make us an evangelistic church, that we would use every opportunity to share our faith with the lost around us. And Lord, I pray also for your anointing that you would use me to simply present your word in such an understandable way that people might be able to apply it to their own lives. And so now come in all your goodness and all your mercy and minister to each one of us, I pray, through your word. In Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I, I think that all Christians really need to grasp and to be willing to share with others is this. We have to realize our reward is not in this life. It's in the life to come. I mean, there are many Christians in this life that, that have a good life. God has blessed them, and it's his will and his purpose for them. But there are many Christians who don't have good lives. There are Christians in other nations that just for professing their faith, they're put to death. The number of Christians that are martyred today, if you ever, um, there's, there's a book called, um, or a magazine, what's it called? Uh, something of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, it's a, you want to sign up for it. It's called Voice of the Martyrs. And it points out the fact that there are more people that are being put to death for their faith today than any other time in history. But you and I have to realize that our reward is not in this life. Do you understand that even if we live to be a ripe old age, in comparison to eternity, it's just, you, you couldn't even uh, detect it. It'd be so slight. But yet those of us who are born again, who've committed our life to Jesus Christ, we're going to be with him for all eternity. That's where our focus needs to be. And so when we look at portions of Scripture like this, it helps us to understand that God does everything he can to point man in the right direction. And when he sees man going in a wrong direction, he's going to do what he can to bring them back into the straight and narrow that they might see the truth and they might accept the promises of God and have eternal life. Now, and this portion in Numbers 25, it's a very interesting portion of uh, Scripture. Now, what we've seen through other portions that we've looked at, and also what we'll, we will be looking at today, we find that it was Balaam who gave Moab and Balak, who was the king of the Midianites, gave them the wisdom of how to cause Israel to fall and to stumble. Remember, they hired him to curse Israel, and he couldn't. All he could do was bless Israel. And so it's interesting because rather than just realizing, wow, God wants to bless these people and I shouldn't try to go against God, he was willing to show these kings how they might cause Israel to stumble and bring God's wrath upon them. And it's so sad that we find that actually happened. And the thing we have to realize is the same is true with you and I. 
because he couldn't curse the uh, uh, nation Israel, but he could do what was necessary to bring God's judgment. And the same is true with you and I. No one can take our salvation from us. No one can, uh, you know, take anything from us other than what God has given. And so as we look at this portion of Scripture, we have to realize that our life isn't in the hands of others as far as judgment is concerned. There's only one who judges us, and that's God Almighty. You know, you might have people that think this of you, people who think that of you, but what does the Lord think? In Galatians 6, verse 7, Galatians 6, verse 7, it says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So if you sow to the flesh, it goes on to say, you're going to reap destruction. But you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. This life is so temporary. If we could only get a grasp of that. You know, that's why Paul could say, for, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ, but to die is better, it's gain. I'm going to be with the Lord. Now, if you have your Bibles open to Numbers chapter 25, we're picking up with verses, uh, verse 1, which is a good place to begin. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> now, Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined to Baal of Peor. And Baal of Peor, in the Hebrew, what it literally means is Lord of open spaces. Lord of opening. And so it's talking about the fact that if you don't follow the Lord, you're liable to go anywhere. It might not be where you want to be, but it'll take you in places you don't want to go. And because of this sin, the anger of the Lord was uh, aroused against them, against Israel. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders. Now notice it wasn't just hang innocent people. It said hang the offenders um, before the Lord out in the sun. That's quite a severe punishment that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. Once again, notice it's the guilty that are being judged here. And indeed, listen to this, one of the children of Israel came and presented. Now the word here in the Hebrew when it talks about presenting, it doesn't mean he's just saying, I would like to introduce you. He, it was a mockery. Look, what I'm doing, what are you going to do about it? It's that kind of an attitude when it says um, that he came and he presented <clears throat> to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. The very reason that they were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of meeting was because of the people being involved with these Midianite women who were using their harlotry to induce them to worship other gods. This person comes right in, right in their midst, arrogantly. Verse 7, Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he arose 
from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore, say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood. Because, and now understand the word priest means to be an advocate between man and God. Uh, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Now the name of the Israelite who was killed, who was killed with the Midianite woman, was Zimri, the son of Zalu a leader of the father's house among the Simeonites, one of the tribes of Israel. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zer. He was head of the people of the father's house of Midian. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and attack them, for they harassed you with their scheme by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby the daughter of a leader of Midian, their sister who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. You know, it's so easy for men, and I don't mean men, only, you know, males, I mean mankind. It's so easy for man um, to be led astray by the lust of the flesh. But the thing we have to understand is so often the lust of the flesh most often, takes us where we shouldn't be going, where the Lord doesn't desire us to go. And it can cause the Lord's anger, you know, to come out against us, to bring judgment on us. Now, we have to realize that it wasn't just the lust of the flesh that God was angry about. It was the fact that the lust of the flesh led to them worshiping false gods. It led to idol worship. And we know that this is the case. Uh, if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 2, that's easy to find. It's the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 2, and go to verse 14. <clears throat> By the way, uh, you're wondering why I'm doing first service. Um, Pastor Frank Jr., uh, Nikki's family had a death, and there's a memorial service that they've gone to today. So that's where they are just so you know why I'm here doing first service again. Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. But I have a few things against you because you have there those, listen, who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, just who we're talking about here. Balaam is the one who taught um, Balak and the Moabites how to cause Israel to sin and fall out of God's favor and his judgment would come upon them. The doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So from this verse of Scripture, we can see that Balaam, in his lust for money and prestige, 
he was willing to betray the very God who was speaking through him. Remember just prior to this in chapter 24 when Balaam realized that it pleased God when he blessed Israel, that he went out and just blessed them beautifully. And you say, wow, what a man of God. But he wasn't. Even though he blessed Israel in his own heart, he wanted to follow the dictates of Balak and curse Israel. And so he couldn't, you know, he couldn't go out and curse them, but he could teach Balak and the Moabites how to cause Israel to fall. And therefore, you know, um, Scripture, like we just read in Revelation, talk about how horrible this man was in doing that. Because you might have a lot of people out there that seem to be saying all the right things, like Balaam did when he was blessing Israel, but in their heart, they desire nothing more than to pull you away. And that's why we have to be careful to compare everything to the Word of God. That's why we are Bereans. The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with all eagerness. But daily they examined the Scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. So as Bereans, we examine the Scriptures to make sure what's being said is true. Now, what we see in this is that if Satan can't get you with a front-on attack, he'll hit you from your weak side. He loves to blindside us. Did you know that? Satan loves to blindside us. This is why in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, if you take notes, you might want to write that down. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour he may devour. So in other words, what that portion of Peter is telling us there is Satan wants to blindside us. He wants to take us down in any way he possibly can. If he comes on us full force, right from a frontal attack, wanting us to curse God or turn from God, we might say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. But then he comes in from the back. He comes in from these weak sides that we might have, and he tries to tempt us and encourage us to do those things that will pull us away, away from the Lord. Because as we're seeing in this portion of Scripture, what uh, the Midianites did is they used the lust of the flesh in order to pull man into idolatry. And so that is something that you and I have to be so careful and aware of. Because part of the religion of the Moabites was uh, the sexual sacrifice to their fertility god, Asherah. And she is mentioned all through Scripture. She has different names, uh, Aphrodite, Venus, in different you know, cultures. But she is the goddess of fertility. In Jeremiah 7, 18, it says... The children, and of course, this was um, a condemnation on the children of Israel. The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. That's Ashtaroth. And to pour out drink offerings to other gods and to make, uh, that they may provoke me to anger. So you have to understand that part of the pagan worship practice of the Midianites in this astra and uh, you know type of worship was the fact that they actually had what they called temple prostitutes or priestesses and so they would entice the men to come in and commit sexual immorality and then they would use that to also entice them 
to worship other pagan gods in their way, to get involved in their kind of pagan worship. As a matter of fact, when a man would come together with one of these priestesses, that was considered a sacrifice of worship. So now we can see why God was so angry with this and, and, and why he reacted in such a harsh way. See, the Lord's anger was aroused not in the sense that he's just some angry God in heaven. It was aroused as a parent who sees their child falling into something that they know is going to pull them down, is going to deceive them, and is going to bring possibly ruin to their lives. And um, I think any parent who has children, especially those of us who are Christian parents and we have children, <clears throat> probably one of the greatest concerns we have is that our children might be pulled away. And if you really think about it, what pulls our children away is no different than what we're reading about here. It's the lust of the flesh, it's the pride of life. You know what I'm saying? And, and so what happens is a parent is, is upset and, and, and might even seem angry, but they're not. They're just trying to open the eyes of their children to say, look, the direction you're going is the wrong direction. It's not only going to bring harm to you, but to everyone you come in contact with. Because you have to realize these people that initially got involved with the Midianites, they never intended to draw away from the family of Israel. And so God had to react in this severe manner, this severe manner because it's cancer. And if that cancer of sin wasn't removed, it would kill the whole body, the whole nation Israel. So it was better for God to bring strong judgment on these Simeonites that were involved in this kind of sin than to allow it to spread through the whole body. I mean, how many of you, I, I had a hunk of my, my skin taken out because of skin cancer. Now, can you imagine if I went to my uh, dermatologist and, and, and she said, well, it's uh, malignant, we need to take it out. And I said, nah, I'm just going to let it ravage my whole body. You'd be thinking, you're, you're crazy. But I let him take that little hunk out, and it's gone. And now my body, I have a scar, I have a reminder, but my body is able to remain healthy. And so we have to understand, even in our walk with the Lord, there might be those times that the Lord is saying to you, my child, guess what? You're infected with some kind of sin, and I need to drastically remove it. And it might even leave a scar, but your body's going to be healthy, and you'll be able to continue to serve me. Because you have to realize how hard a person's heart would have to be that right while Moses is, is rebuking the Simeonites, right while the elders are before the tent weeping over the sin of them bringing in Moabite women, this guy brings a Moabite woman right in, right in front of them. And we're going to find that he was the son of the leader of the Simeonites. Now, the thing we have to realize is there's no such thing as harmless sin. Oh, it's just this little sin. It'll always take us further than we think. I remember, and, and some of you who've been with me long enough, you've heard me use this example. This is an old one. I haven't said it for a long time. But I can remember my... Uh, grandmother, and my grandmother was born in the 1800s, but I can remember my grandmother saying, 
There's nothing decent on TV anymore except Kate Smith. And you know who Kate Smith is when the moon comes over the mountain? No, most of you have no idea who I'm talking about. But, I mean, that's so far back. I mean, we're talking, you know, in, in the 50s. And they're saying, she was saying there's nothing decent on TV but Kate Smith. And think to where we've come to today. Have you ever had that discussion with your spouse, with your friend, or with yourself? How did I get here? I mean, there was a time I wouldn't watch anything like this. And now I'm just sitting back with my bowl of popcorn, and I'm enjoying it. And yet we're watching all kinds of filth, all kinds of, of violence. And boy, that's, the, wow, look at how he just killed 10 people there. Wow, that's really a good movie. How have we come that far? Because we have to understand, sin never comes in and says, whoa, I'm going to devour you. Sin comes in and says, let me just tickle you a little bit here. Let me just entice you a little bit here. It's no big deal. It's not a big deal. And the next thing you know, it starts ravaging your whole soul. And look at the result of what this caused. This sin caused a plague to break out that killed 24,000 people. 24,000. And um, knowing the nature of God, we can be sure that those who died, there weren't in innocent people who died in that 24,000. These were either people who were involved in the sin or condoned the sin, even promoting it. But those 24,000, knowing the nature of God and what we read in Scripture, they would have been guilty persons. And, you know, no one can say to God, well, how do you know I did it? Because he knows. He knows everything. He knows the very hairs on your head. Now, so just as I, I mentioned and I want to reiterate, there is no such thing as harmless sin it will always take us further than we ever intended to go. Have you ever said, how did I get here? And it's so amazing how, um, you know, the spirit is willing, but our flesh is so weak in taking a stand for the things of God. How many times have you and I said, you know what? We, and this is always in the morning when you wake up, right? You know, I say, you know what? I'm not going to watch any TV tonight. I'm just going to spend my time worshiping the Lord, reading the Word, drawing close to Him, being in prayer. And then the evening comes and you're like tired and I don't even want to think. And the thing is, a lot of people might say, well, I, I just watch the news. Well, I think watching the news is probably the worst thing you can do. All it's going to do is pull you down into the depths of despair. Because the thing we have to understand, this world is going to the place exactly where God said it would go before the rapture and his judgment came upon the earth. The sin of the Amorites is full right now, brothers and sisters. It really is. I mean, we look around and we see our world changing. And so we have to understand that we're not going to do anything to save the world, but we can do everything in our heart and power to save others from the world, that they might come to know Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it's an amazing time that we're living in. 
I mean, I'm 75 years old. I know I don't look at this. Be quiet. I know, I know, I know. But I'm 75 years old. I never remember anything like this. I remember the polio epidemic. I'm old enough for that. It wasn't like this. There's been a change in the whole world. And people say, well, well, how could the Antichrist and, and how could the whole world turn against God and, and, and how could all this happen? I can see where it would happen very easily. Because don't you realize good is taken for evil and evil is taken for good? It really is. If I come out and I say, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I'll tell you what, I stand on every word, you're evil. You come out and you say, well, you know, I believe that we give, need to give people the right. It's their body. If they want to have an abortion, that's their right. And, and hey, if you want to practice homosexuality or bisexuality or transgender, that's your right. Oh, I'm a good person then. But if I stand in the word of God and I say abortion is murder, if I stand here and I say that homosexuality is a sin, there's no such thing as transgenderism. I mean, I was a biology major, and the one thing I know is this, that you either have two X chromosomes or you have an X and Y chromosome. There's no such thing as confused chromosomes. You don't go under a microscope, and they're going, X, Y, back and forth. I'm confused. I don't know what to be. There's no such thing. But if you come out and you say that, according to the word of God, you're a bad person. We're living in a time good is taken for evil and evil is taken for good. But you and I need to take a stand for the Lord. Now Phineas, who was the grandson of Aaron and the son of Eleazar, the priest, in righteous indignation ran a spear through both the, the, the son of, of the Simeonites and the Midianite woman ran a spear through both of them in their very act of immorality. I mean, in the very act of immorality, God is, is desiring those of us who are zealous for the Lord to pin it to the ground, to point it out, this is wrong. To be willing to say something is wrong. And I'm not talking about being judgmental. I mean, if you go up to people who were involved in sin, you say, you know what, you're in sin. I wish you were like me. Well, guess what? You're just a prideful, arrogant jerk. <laughs> But if you really have a heart for people, and you say, brother, sister, do you understand what you're doing is going to destroy you? you? You really need to turn to the word of God. You need to turn to the Lord. You need to have the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and life and to give you the strength you need to walk according to God's word. Well, I think we all need to have that willingness to walk according to God's word. But the one thing we find here with Phineas and what he did with uh, the Simeonite uh, son's leader uh, and also this Moabite woman was an act of righteousness because he stopped the plague that might have continued and killed many more people. By that one act of righteousness, he stopped the plague and the people repented. And I think... This is similar and has its complete fulfillment in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 5, and verse 19. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. 
Romans 5, 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Do you see how it goes along with this sin that was happening in the camp of Israel? It started off with one man being willing to, to follow the, the, the ways of the Moabites, their pagan gods. And then it led to many others following that. And now you had the act of one man who pierced the sin to the ground and it stopped the plague. But Jesus, of course, is the complete fulfillment of this. Because all of have sinned, right? And fall short of the glory of God. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe the word of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And he was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus did not die on that cross because of any wrongdoing in his part, but because of our sin. And something I don't think we fully grasp or even can understand is that when we talk about Jesus dying for our sin, he literally died for our sin. When he was hanging on that cross, the sin of the entire world, every filthy sin you've ever committed, every filthy sin I've ever committed was on him. And that's why he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is Psalm, the beginning of Psalm 22, which is a psalm that describes crucifixion in detail 600 years before it was invented by the Romans. So we have to understand that Jesus died for our sins, every sin we've ever committed. And so therefore, we have to be willing to live for him. God has called each one of us to be men and women of faith, each one of us. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, but without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, in other words, he's God, he's exactly who he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is not a myth. God is not just some faith, you know, movement that we follow. God is real. He is a person. And the triune nature of God is responsible for the very creation of everything that we see and also for the salvation that we share because God created everything perfect. And he said to man, I'll tell you what, you can eat of any tree in the midst of the garden except for the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowing good from evil. In the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Well, why did God do that? Because God wanted to have intimate fellowship with man, which requires love. And love always requires choice. You understand what I'm saying? Someone who loves you, they have to make that choice to love you. And I, I used this example before. If I uh, put my hands around my wife's neck and say, tell me you love me, and she goes, oh, I love you. Guess what? That's not a statement of love. That's a statement of fear. And so God gave Adam and Eve the opportunity to express their love to him simply by obeying. Here they had all the trees of the garden, but not that one. 
And of course, we all know that they fell to sin. They ate of that tree. And therefore, they fell from God's grace. They were cast out of the garden. But in God's love, right from the beginning, he provided the proper sacrifice that man's sin might be forgiven. Remember, Adam and Eve, they covered themselves with fig leaves. And God, he actually said, nope, that's not going to do. And he covered them with animal skins, which meant there had to be the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, Scripture says. And so they were covered with skin. And we have to realize that God still desires to bring us back into relationship with himself. And the only way we can be brought back into relationship with him is by the forgiveness of sin. And there's no remission for sin without the shedding of blood. So God so loved the world, he so loved mankind that he gave his only begotten son that he might hang on that tree and shed his blood for you and I that we might be saved. What love, what wondrous love God has for you and I. Brothers and sisters, are we diligently seeking the Lord? Are we diligently seeking his mercies that they might be new every morning in our walk with him? Or are we following after the ways of this world? You know, people have asked me, are you afraid of everything that's going on in the world today with all this stuff? And my answer is no, because I'm not part of this world. I just happen to be a sojourner here, and my responsibility while I'm here is to share my faith in Jesus Christ. But no, I'm not afraid. Well, well what if you got killed? Wow, praise God. To be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. And that's the thing we have to understand. Satan desires to use our fears against us. We can't let that happen. And the thing we have to realize, if we have found ourselves in sin, we need to repent. One of the big problems we have is if we find ourselves in sin, you know what we want to do? Well, I know I fell to this sin, but... Right from the beginning, it, it was excuse-making. You remember the Lord said to Adam, what have you done? And he said, it's the woman you gave me, God. And that's what he actually said. In other words, he was blaming God. So God said to the woman, what did you do? And she said, literally, she said, the devil made me do it. I mean, I'm putting it in euphemistic terms, but that's what she said. She said, Satan deceived me. So excuse-making is never repentance. But so often when you have people that have been caught in sin and it's pulled their life down, you know what they feel? They feel sorry for themselves. Feeling sorry for yourself is such a hindrance to you repenting and coming into a right relationship with God. Oh, poor me. All this has happened to me. I know I've been bad, and look what's happened. Oh, poor me. Well, it is poor you because that is the result of sin. But guess what? Play the part of a man. And the word man in Hebrew doesn't just mean, uh, you know, male, female. It's talking about strength. That's the word that is used there. Play the part of a man. Play in the strength of the Lord. And you turn from your wicked ways, and you turn to God, and his blessings will flow on you like you have never seen or known before. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. 
you might still have the same difficulties and the same circumstances that you've always dealt with, but now your heart is right with the Lord. For me to live is Christ. When you live for Christ, what joy, what peace. You know, what peace we often forfeit, what needless pain we bear, all because what? We don't take everything to the Lord in prayer. God, forgive me, a sinner. God, give me the strength. God, encourage me in your ways. God, change me. And you know, that's what the love that we're to have for one another is, to give people the opportunity to change. Sometimes we're so harsh in our attitude, it's like, yeah, I, I, they'll never change. They'll always be that way. I'm glad God doesn't feel that way. When a person changes, we need to be thankful for it, and we need to treat them as if we didn't even know their past. You understand? That's the way God is. He doesn't, hold, he doesn't say, you know, Frank, I, I'm glad you're doing a lot better and preaching the Word and stuff like that, but I can remember back when you were a teenager, and I can really remember when you were in the Army. Oh, my gosh, I can remember. Oh. No, God doesn't do any of that. He takes our sin from us how far as the east is from the west, and what does he do? He remembers them no more. And so even among ourselves, when people confess and repent, we need to remember them no more. You know, whenever Vi and I are doing uh, counseling with couples, one of the things we tell them is that if you have both repented and you're sorry for what you've done, you remember them no more. Take them away. Because the minute the person says, well, you've said that before, they never forgave you to begin with because they're remembering it. Well, we look at this portion, and to me it's such an encouragement because you realize that deep sin had come into the camp of Israel. And we'll find in the next service that the Simeonites paid a high price for it. But sin came deep within the camp of Israel. But when they were willing to repent of it and have it cut out, God blessed them. And they went in and they took the land that God had promised to Abraham. It's amazing. And God has promised victory for you. He desires for you to walk in that victory. All we have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry for my past. I'm going to walk with you from now on. Take me into the victory you've given me. And guess what? He will. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word because your word is true. And I pray that you would take the portion that we have uh, covered this morning and use it to minister to us and to encourage us that even if we have fallen to the sin of, of worshiping Baal of Peor, that we will turn from our wicked ways, that we'll cut the sin out, Lord, and we would follow after you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and have all the promises that you've given us through the Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And God bless you, my friends.